Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Steph I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Annie, with all of that preparing for us to get to this point, I still had to like, did you hear my croupy intro <laughs> for my name? <laughs> Can't get it together. Oh, I think you've got it perfectly well together, Samantha. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we are in the midst of a, a cold snap here yes. in Georgia, listeners, and uh, I am shivering. So I hope that doesn't come through. But if it does, just know I'm in my little closet. Uh, very cold. Decked out for winter inside. She, she, well, I mean, when we took pictures in the office, you looked the same. Yeah, that's and true. you had the beanie, the gloves, the puffy jacket. Mm-hmm even in our pictures. So I feel like mm-hmm. this is par for the course. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I, yeah. I suppose so. Uh, and yeah, well. I have the delight of having it. And if anybody has been following me on Twitter, which not too many people do, they know <laughs> that I've been complaining about the mildness of the weather, meaning like it was 40 degrees and I was freezing and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the 30s, approaching yeah. 20s. And I have made the smart decision of getting an electric blanket Life yes. changer. <laughs> she has bragged about it I several have. times today to me. It's amazing. <laughs> As I sit here shivering, <laughs> she shows off her electric blanket. I just want you to know, good purchases when they're made. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> thank you for rubbing it in my face. <laughs> I don't have gloves on. I just want to say that. <laughs> yes, well, I do. Yes, they, she does. <laughs> they aren't doing as well of a job as I would hope, but that's all right. That's all right. Uh, today, we're not just talking about the cold. No. No. Oh. Okay. We're also talking about the Supreme Court. Right. Uh, yeah, no, we actually are taking a suggestion from our social media and looking at the history of the women of the Supreme Court. And not surprisingly, <laughs> it's not a very long history. <laughs> and yeah, a very small amount. <laughs> not. A great thing. <laughs> it's very disheartening, in fact. Right. But yes. Um, so always, listeners, keep those suggestions coming. We do take them into account, and we love to do episodes on them. And this was a great idea. Yeah, it really was. And um, Andy, do you, did you know how many Supreme, uh, female Supreme Court justices there were before this episode? I did not. Me either. Uh, so yeah, before we talk specifically about the female justices. So we wanted to do a review of the history of the United States Supreme Court. I didn't know much of the history. Um, I feel like that should have been something I probably did cover in high school, but because I am in my 40s now, it's kind mm. of been shoved out of my head as my space yeah. of uh, <laughs> knowledge has gotten smaller. So, um, <laughs> but just to put out there, as of today, there have been 115 justices, and Annie, only five of them were female. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and Amy Coney Barrett. That is such a small and depressing number. Right. And also, those are very recent. Mm, Yes, very recent. Yeah. Um, The current justices are John G. Roberts Jr., who is the chief justice and was appointed by George W. Bush in 2005, Clarence Thomas, appointed by George H. W. Bush in 1991, Stephen Breyer, appointed in 94 by Bill Clinton, Samuel Alito, appointed by George W. Bush in 2006, Sonia Sotomayor, appointed by Barack Obama in 2009, Elena Kagan, also appointed by Obama in 2010, and Donald Trump, appointed the following. 
Neil Gorsuch in 2017, Brett Kavanaugh in 2018, and Amy Coney Barrett in 2020. Um, So, yeah, we wanted to talk a little about the origins of the Supreme Court. So, the Supreme Court was established in 1789, signed off by President George Washington through the Judiciary Act of 1789, which was established as a tribunal containing six justices who would serve until death or retirement. The Supreme Court was established under Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution and was given, quote, ultimate jurisdiction over law, specifically anything to do with the constitutional rights. And it wasn't until 1869 that the number of justices was established, and it has remained the same since. Nine justices. However, the number can be changed by Congress at any time. And in fact, before 1869, Abraham Lincoln had 10 justices, and Franklin D. Roosevelt tried to establish 15 justices by stating, justices over 70 must resign or FDR could appoint an additional justice if they refused to do so. During his administration, he he proposed all this, but it was voted against by the Senate. And just in case you're wondering, uh, though the appointment is a lifetime appointment, justices can be impeached. Though only one justice have ever been impeached, who was Samuel Chase in 1804, but he was acquitted and served until his death. And as of recently, uh, the Supreme Court has received around 10,000 annual review requests, but actually only hears around 80 of them. Dang. <laughs> yeah. So 80 out of 10,000. Can you imagine you had a job where <laughs> you had to cipher through and be like, okay, this is a good one, this is a good one, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, let's talk about the ladies, and let's start with Sandra Day O'Connor, who was appointed to the Supreme Court by President Ronald Reagan in 1989 and was unanimously approved by the Senate and became the first woman to serve as a Supreme Court justice. Judge O'Connor was known as a moderate conservative and was a key swing decision for many important cases throughout her time in the Supreme Court, including the 1992 case of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which upheld the previous Roe v. Wade abortion rights decision, and Bush v. Gore, uh, the Bush v. Gore case, which ended the recount votes in the 2000 presidential race, which certified the original uh, outcome of Florida's electoral votes. Yeah, and interestingly, uh, as we've heard a bit about this during this election term, yeah. O'Connor later stated, quote, perhaps the highest court should not have weighed in because of the circumstances of the contentious election. So talking about whether or not the uh, Supreme Court should have anything to do with anything election-wise and voter-wise. So I thought that was an interesting uh, side note because she taught on that since after she retired and about whether or not that was something that they should have done. Um, And then Judge O'Connor is one of only three retired justices still alive today. And she definitely went through some challenges while serving, including battling breast cancer in 1988, and she underwent a mastectomy. However, she didn't retire until 2006, and that was partly due to her husband, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at that time. And then uh, we have... Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course. Um, and we're just going to do a quick run-through of her history and records because we have done previous episodes on her, and you can check them out. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was appointed to the U.S. Court of Appeals in 1980 by President Jimmy Carter and then appointed to the Supreme Court in 1993 by President Bill Clinton. Justice Ginsburg was known as a moderate liberal, and some people had concerns of her coming from a social advocate background, but she was also unanimously confirmed by the Senate with a 96-3 to vote. 
Right. And she made history, of course, throughout her career as a strong voice in favor of gender equality, LGBTQ rights, and the separation of church and state. She wrote the 1996 decision in the United States v. Virginia, which stated the state-supported school, the Virginia Military Institute, could not refuse admission to women. She also garnered a lot of attention in her dissenting opinion in the Bush v. Gore case, which we talked about uh, with Sandra Day O'Connor, which helped Bush win the presidential election. Um, And she concluded her decision with the infamous phrase, quote, I dissent. And towards the end of her career, she helped uphold two significant rulings, the King versus Burwell, which helped upheld the 2010 Affordable Care Act, and the Obergefell versus Hodges that made same-sex marriage legal throughout the entire country. Throughout her career, RBG had her fair share of health difficulties, including colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, and lung cancer. But she continued to serve until her death on September 18th, 2020. So we have some other women we want to talk about. But first, we got to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back with Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor was appointed in 2009 by President Barack Obama and became the first Latina Supreme Court Justice in U.S. history. She was previously appointed by President George H.W. Bush to the U.S. District Court, which at the time made her the youngest appointed judge. Along with RBG, Justice Sotomayor also was a majority ruling for the Obergefell versus Hodges case, which legalized same-sex marriages. She also wrote the dissent for Utah versus Edward Justice Strife Jr., which was a case involving the Fourth Amendment to prevent unlawful search and seizures. In it, she wrote, quote, The mere existence of a warrant not only gives an officer legal cause to arrest and search a person, it also forgives an officer who, with no knowledge of the warrant at all, unlawfully stops that person on a whim or a hunch. Um, And at that point, she was arguing against the fact that the decision allowed for, quote, evidence found by police officers after illegal stops may be used in court if the officers conducted their searches after learning that the defendants had outstanding warrants, uh, which was very problematic in that this was kind of that whole um, racial profiling. Oh, you look suspicious. I'm going to go ahead and search you. Oh, I found something. Even though it was illegal, I can now use it in court. Um, And she went on to speak about the incident of the killing of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, writing again, the Department of Justice recently reported that in the town of Ferguson, Missouri, with the population of 21,000, 16,000 people had outstanding warrants against them. My gosh. But by legitimizing the conduct that produces the double consciousness, this case tells everyone, white and black, guilty and innocent, that an officer can verify your legal status at any time. It says that your body is subject to invasion while courts excuse the violation of your rights. It implies that you are not a citizen of a democracy, but the subject of a carceral state just waiting to be cataloged. Uh, And I think that was really significant, even though obviously that went through uh, and her argument was very, very poignant and right on to me. Um, She is currently still seated as an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Now let's talk about Justice Elena Kagan, who was the 112th Supreme Court Justice appointed by President Barack Obama in 2010. Justice Kagan was already pretty familiar with the process of becoming a justice as she was appointed by then-Senator Joe Biden in 1993 as the special counsel of the Senate Judiciary Committee. She even worked on RBG's confirmation hearing. 
Oh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also appointed by President Obama in 2009 to be the U.S. Solicitor General and confirmed by the Senate to make her the first woman to serve as a U.S. Solicitor General. It's also interesting to know that she had not been a judge before her appointment in the Supreme Court, as well as the fact she had been blocked by the Senate in 1999 from serving as a U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C., which led to her becoming Dean of Harvard Law. Um, and also, just to add, she served as a clerk for Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall. She is seen as more of a centrist and is known as a, quote, bridge builder for the opposing sides. She has a reputation of trying to find common ground, and her votes have not always been predictable in comparison to other liberal justices. She's not known for many written opinions, but uh, she did write the dissent for the 2019 case in regards to gerrymandering, stating, quote, the practices challenged in these cases imperil our system of government. Part of the court's role in that system is to defend its foundations. None is more important than free and fair elections. With respect but deep sadness, I dissent. But uh, her recent votes have been a little more conservative, um, including being the majority to allow businesses to exclude employers with religious or moral objections from helping to provide contraceptives, which was under the Affordable Health Care Act. So it is something to note. Uh, She's not as predictable as you would think. Uh, And by the way, she is also still serving as an associate justice. And that brings us to Amy Coney Barrett. And we already did a Monday mini covering the confirmation of her, so we we won't go too much into her history in this episode. Um, she just recently participated in her first capital punishment case, which lifted the stay of execution for Orlando Hall in Washington, who was put to death after an hour the Supreme Court, an hour after the Supreme Court made the decision. Right. And because this is an emergency application, it's not known whether she voted with a majority or not, although many speculate she's most likely did. Um, there were notes of dissent from Justice Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, but not from her. And this would have been an interesting case to note for her due to her strict Catholic faith and her past comments of her faith in capital punishment. She has said that she would not be in favor of execution as a trial judge, but would feel it was different for the case of someone who was already on death row, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we will be watching as things continue to unfold. Um, this is pretty new, so we'll see right. what happens. Um, And just a side note about the capital punishment stuff, we've been seeing a lot of cases going forward uh, just recently in front of the Supreme Court about capital punishment and people on death row, including the fact that there's a conversation about whether or not Attorney General uh, Barr is trying to bring back execution, electrocution style, and by uh, firing squad. So I'm not really sure what's happening, but I feel like we're backtracking when it comes to death penalty cases. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if this is kind of like the last stances of this administration? Not sure. But it seems like it's pretty big right now. Gosh, that's a terrifying statement to say. (laughs) Um, And speaking of potentially terrifying prospects, but hopefully not, Mm -hmm. we're going to take a look at the future. future. But first, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. We're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yeah, so there's a lot going on right now and so many cases, like I was talking about, 
um, the death penalty cases and a lot of uh, cases to stay and emergency applications going in. Um, and so many cases in so many courts that everyone is trying to keep up with, but there's a few things to look at for the near future. I mean, there's so many things happening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, one part of this conversation has been around packing the court. Mm-hmm. Um, many people have repeatedly asked President-elect Joe Biden whether or not he would be packing the court by adding more justices. Um, as we spoke about at the beginning of this episode, um, it's possible, but without the approval from Congress, it would not go forward. And so far, no answer has been given. I guess we should say the date. It is December 1st, 2020. Look at that. I had to change my calendar today so I knew what the date was. It wasn't March. What a very specific, like, thing to be proud of in this year. Oh, my God. (laughs) Gonna go away, hopefully, once this is all over. I think think you should be very proud that you knew the date. You and I have been all over the place. (laughs) Yes. Yes. February, March. March is fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) I was planning out until 2021 the other day, and I blew my mind. Oh, my gosh. Um, but anyway, we have already seen and are still witnessing the massive movement in the federal judges being appointed as quickly as possible before the new administration takes over. Um, there are also discussions of the new administration adding more lower-level judges, which could significantly impact the judicial system. Right. Um, and with that, uh, there's also conversations about term limits. Um, there have been many from both the Republican and Democratic parties who are in favor of creating term limits for the Supreme Court justices. Even Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts Jr. is in support of this. Um, though it's not a new idea, obviously, kind of what FDR was trying to do, also packing the court, he was a leader in that, Um, there seems to be more of a focus in setting the length of time. Some have suggested staggering 18-year term limits, which would give each president a chance to nominate two justices in a four-year term. Uh, Legislation has already been introduced by the representatives in the House, so we'll have to definitely keep a watch on that. Yes. Um, And then uh, some potential cases. As two more conservative justices have been added, many are worried about the possibility of cases being overturned, decisions in regards to Roe v. Wade, Affordable Health Care Act, LGBTQ plus rights, and cases in regard to racial equality and voting rights are being questioned and could, if not already, be put back under scrutiny of the Supreme Court. Right. Um, And we're seeing... But the lower courts are handling all of the uh, voting disparities. And uh, yeah, so far so good in that yeah. the current administration has lost all but one. <laughs> and we would say 0.5 of that win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. just want yeah. this to be over. I mean, it's kind of funny how many times Biden can win. <laughs> yeah, I know. In a state. So it's already won twice in Georgia, and I think we're going for another recount, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, the ads, listeners, you would not believe oh. the ads were experiencing. Actually, you probably would, but wow. Yeah, you would. And as in fact, you've probably seen a few of them as they Google it. And then we've had interesting social media back and forth. That's been hilarious. So yeah, there's a lot of things, a lot of changes coming. And we will definitely keep a watch on how things are proceeding and what we need to talk about more of. And if you see things that we kind of overlooked, please let us know because we definitely want to be updated (laughs) as much as we want to update others. Yeah, and if there's any any one specific person we covered today that you would like us to go more in depth on, uh, let us know that as well. Um, I was thinking... 
I, d- I didn't ask my big question at the beginning, but I, I've been thinking. I don't think I would have been a very good judge. I feel like I have guilt enough about, like one time I said something kind of rude to somebody, and I lay awake. It's too much power for me, Samantha. <laughs> I think I might have been an okay judge, but I don't think I would be as light as I would like to be. Um, Because I am absolutely that person who has to balance. I think that's the Libra in me. Uh uh, That I I, I can't just see straightforward and I can justify both sides to a certain degree. So part of me growing up in a religious background, that's part of the why I go back and forth. And even though I have my beliefs, I can sit here and think of this, this, and this as to why, oh yeah, this is what Mm -hmm. would be problematic in this way and this is where it can be that. So I feel like even though I would love to be, I love my, I have my opinions and things, I don't think I would be as light as a judge. Yeah. My dad was a lawyer and so I feel like I have a really good, uh, there's a D&D term for this. It's not like chaotic neutral. It's like lawful good or something. But like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we did an exercise once in college where it was this, I probably told this story before because it still sticks out with me because it's one of those things where I thought the answer was obvious, but everyone disagreed with me. <laughs> um, it was a story about a prince who basically his wife was cheating on him. So he refused to let her back into his palace and she ended up getting murdered and I can't remember the exact phrasing of it but it was like uh, should she be punished by the law and I, I was like well he <laughs> it's a whole thing but I was like she didn't deserve to die just because she was cheating and there's no like law against that and everyone was looking at me but she did a wrong thing she deserved to be punished and I'm like but the law <laughs> right it was a, uh, yeah, I think I probably wouldn't have been very well liked either. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think anything that's too black and white is not being examined close enough. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, as we sit and think about that. Uh, yes, I know. We did want to share a quick listener mail for for you. Um It's from Josie from Hamburg, who was writing in response to our episode on Poland. I'm not Polish, but there's a fantastic organization based in Berlin that you should support called Cia Cia Basia, which I'm sorry, I think I butchered terribly. I tried to look it up, but it's spelled C-I-A-C-I-O space B-A-S-I-O, which Josie goes on and says, I think it means anti Basia. It links Polish women up with accommodations and support so that they can get an abortion here. It's not ideal because Germany's abortion laws aren't the best. It costs a lot of money. Doctors aren't allowed to present abortion as an option outright. It's illegal to, quote, advertise abortion. Um, they force you to do counseling, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all we can do until they change the law over there. Here's their GoFundMe if you're interested. GoFundMe.com slash support dash C-I-O-C-I-A dash B-A-S-I-A. So thank you, Josie, uh, for sharing that. Um, Always looking for resources where we can help each other out. And especially as we do these international episodes, as we've said, uh, it's just not the same as being, having closer proximity to the situation. Uh, So we appreciate you listeners sending, sending those things to us. Yes, please. And please keep us updated what's going on with you. If there's something that we need to talk about, protests, uh, movements and such that we haven't 
send us that email. We would love to look it up. We would love to have your edition. Let's have correspondence. That's what we're calling correspondence. Like wow. Your, you know. Correspondence going right? back. Yeah. Yeah. Be a Sminty correspondent. Um, and you can email <laughs> us at Steph Media Mom Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Oh, thanks. And thanks to you for listening. Stefan Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 